but I think it's it's encouraging to see like teams being brave like Saudi Arabia and what yeah. that what that allows them to do allows them to get a bit of pressure on Argentinians uh, better players like so the, like keeping the high line the midfielders can go and get closer to the more creative players which, which they did in the game put tackles in Hello and welcome to Indo World Cup on day four of the tournament. My name is Aidan O'Hara and yesterday we had our first big shock, our first scoreless draw and what's likely to be the first instance of a player who scored 800 career goals trying to put himself in the shop window at a World Cup tournament. Later we'll hear from Shamrock Rovers defender and Cape Verde international Pico Lopez but for now I'm joined in, from a media centre in, in Qatar by soccer correspondent with the Irish independent Daniel McDonald. How are things Dan? Good, Aido. I've um, been seeing some football at least. Um, Got to see France and Australia tonight. This was uh, unofficially sort of a a, a scouting mission with Ireland's Euros campaign in, in mind in March, but probably more importantly for France, the first game of the World Cup campaign. Um, so they uh, they did a number on the the Aussies. To be fair, who uh, who gave it a go, they got ahead. But uh, unlike the Argentina Saudi game, the story of the of the of the day really. Uh, yeah, it just eventually economics and the ability of your players just sort of shone through in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we might start at the beginning of the day, unusually for 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 us. Um, Saudi Arabia and Argentina, obviously, the big shock. Um, Saudi now find themselves top of Group C after um, after Mexico's draw. So, what was the vibe there when whenever that result came through? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I mean, this was a, I mean, to personalise it. I mean, I, I only got into the media centre uh, to pick up my accreditation. I was the only person looking for accreditation in the accreditation centre at the time, because um, it was halfway through the first half of the game. Um, there was a lot of sort of volunteers and people sitting around cheering for Saudi. But I'll be honest, I checked the score. It was one that Argentina. I was thinking, yeah, my decision to not watch this game is not going to be causing me much of an issue here. Um, they're one nil up, and they're probably going to go and throw it. So I uh, made my way up to the media centre to watch the uh, second half of the match, and yeah, just uh, managed to see all of it. But uh, there was sort of the, it's very hard to explain what these media centres are like. Um, it's like this one is a particularly big one. It's like an old airport. It's a renovated old airport, so it has the, that airport terminal vibe, like really high ceilings and uh, sort of uh, clean floors and um, just. Uh, slightly unusual place and you're, you're in the media center and the games are on screens with no commentary so generally you just react to crowd noise um, if something happens and it must have been the Saudi equalizer people were like oh that's a bit of a story but uh, the second goal the place it was just that sense of giddiness of this is the story unfolding and uh, in classic yeah. sort of name dropping fashion uh, Tony Cascarino just happened to be uh, committed at the same time um, and was saying hello couldn't believe the score and spent very much the rest of the second half just watching the game with him as uh, the Saudis just threw their body on the line. We, we watched the game and we spoke about live golf. So um, there you go. All the, all, the, all the burning issues of Saudi at the moment covered apart from Newcastle. Absolutely, yeah. To be fair to you, Dan, I mean, you you tipped a 4-0 win to Argentina and I tipped a 5-0 win, so you were a little bit closer than I was. Um, yeah, I'll take that. Had, had, VAR not been, had VAR not been there, we might have been, we might have been kind of close, but it really does leave them with a bit of a mountain to climb now. 
It does, yeah. I mean, and I was like, I was making this point in a piece for the paper. I mean, this is a nightmare for as much as like uh, the Qatar Saudi relations seem to have improved. You know, there was a, you know, the Emir of Qatar had a Saudi flag, which is quite significant geopolitically, given the, the countries have been involved in like a sort of a the new Arab Cold War, as they call it, uh, over the blockade in recent times. And um, as much as like everyone's rowing in behind the Saudi effort. I think for the hosts, like Argentina is the one team they want to stay in this competition for as long as possible because they've no interest in one love, uh, armband. They've no interest in the sort of the 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 sort of the noise that they would say has been generated by the European nations. Their fans have actually travelled, uh, unlike a lot of the other fans who've yeah. stayed away. So they're delivering noise and colour around the city and around the stadiums. Um, and a lot of the locals or the neutrals from the vicinity have adopted Argentina too. So. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a great upset and all, but it's a bit like these World Cups where the upsets are brilliant, but you don't want all the top teams to go out and have all the top yeah, teams like, they like, don't want like to go out. Like an FA Cup third round. Yeah, and, and Argentina is the one they do not want to go out of competition. So at least that Mexico-Poland draw, um, you know, they, they, they're in a situation where it's not as if they're in a Spain-Germany style group or someone else is going to streak into the distance. They're still in control of their destiny, but... I don't know all that's all that tournament talk about the unbeaten record and all of that. It just all looks very flimsy because uh, they were panicking like mad when they were chasing the game. So Argentina obviously very disappointed with the performance, but it was a defensive masterclass from Saudi Arabia with an offside trap that the old Arsenal team would have been proud of. And earlier I spoke to Pico Lopez to get his verdict on their display. I'm joined by Pico Lopez, uh, Shamrock Rovers defender and Cape Verde International. Uh, how are you, Pico? All good, Aidan. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, you enjoying the World Cup so far? Yeah, I really enjoy it. I have to say, I, I love the World Cup. I love when it comes round. And uh, especially after today, when you have the shocks that come with it, uh, it it's really enjoyable. And you can just see the excitement to whoever you speak to about it. Everyone's just watching it. And uh, it's a great buzz. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to get away from that Saudi Arabia story as the as the story of the tournament so far. As the the, the defender in you must have enjoyed the backs to the wall uh, ending of the game. Yeah, definitely, and that's what it's about. Especially when you're going in as an underdog, you know you're gonna to have to put your bodies on the line at time. You're gonna need your keeper to make some some really big saves, which he did. And yeah, just the, the overall game management was, uh, was really impressive. I have to say, uh, you see Argentina on this long unbeaten run. And uh, they knew be up against the Saudi Arabia, but they dug in and they made some great decisions on the on the day, and they got the result. And in your own experience, I mean, what's what's going through your mind in that situation in a game where you know you're hanging on for a, a big victory or a big point? You know, when 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 you're under the cosh and maybe not even expected to win, like you know, it's not it's not just about throwing your body on the line, is it? No, not at all. I suppose like you're trying to stay as calm as possible, even though you're getting probably bombarded left, right and centre. You're trying to be as calm as you can in the mind and try and make the right decisions. You have to defend and put the foot in at a time. But there's also a time to, to put your foot on the ball and, and try and make a few passes and, and try and alleviate the pressure that way. And I thought Saudi Arabia did that well. Like um, they, they managed the game really well. Obviously, when they, they got their two goals by taking the game to Argentina as well, they attacked at the right moments. And then just like, managing the game, killing time, uh, keep it going down on the ball and say you'd be able to make two or three passes just to alleviate that pressure. Um, I thought they did that really well. And psychologically, with that kind of you know the injury time that's when when it comes up, you know, like when you're chasing a game that 
you always hear it in matches when it's a home team chasing a game and that, that board goes up. I mean, if it's anything over four minutes, the crowd tend to really get into it. You know, from a defensive perspective, when you're trying to hang on, is that something you just got to try and ignore and focus on the next ball? Or is, is, it, is it hard to do that when you see that number go up? Yeah, because most of the time I don't hear the additional time going up. Like So it's probably a good thing. I think the best thing is to try and block it out. And as you, as you think the team of this World Cup is, they're not afraid to add time on for substitutions or stoppages. Uh, many of the games have been going to 100 plus minutes. So uh, I think it's important to try and block that out. You could be playing, uh, say, well over the allocated 90 minutes. So you just have to think about the next phase, the next pass, my next decision. And uh, hopefully it's the right one. And when the referee blows that whistle, yeah, that's when it's time to celebrate, not a second before. Yeah, and just just finally uh, on Saudi Arabia, they, they had a very very high line. It was almost sort of old Arsenal style, uh, you know, to try and catch Argentina offside, and it was it was very very successful. It, it, again, from a, from a, from your own perspective, playing that high line is that is would you would you like to be able to do that in terms of in terms of VAR, where you know that you're going to get the right decision if if you get your timing right. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a big thing to it as well. I think now with VAR, you can actually trust the technology. So you can be brave enough in, in, in holding that high line. And uh, if, it's a, if it's a tight call, you know you'll either be bailed out by uh, the technology in VAR or you have to hold your hands up and say, right, we got that one wrong. But I think it's, it's encouraging to see like, teams being brave like Saudi Arabia. And what, yeah. that, what that allows them to do, allows them to get a bit of pressure on Argentinians, uh, better players. Like, so the, by keeping the high line, the midfielders can go and get closer to the more creative players, which which they did in the game, put tackles in. And as you said, the, the Argentina goal disallowed for a, a really tight offside call, but it was the right one in the end. And it's all down to that uh, line and the unit working together. Yeah, it's hard to imagine previously that a linesman would have been brave enough to put his flag up three times for, for offside calls. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it's probably one of the positives of our where you can, trust, you can trust the technology now. It seems to be really clear whether it's offside or not. So in regards to offside, uh, you can back your your line and, and be strong, and you'll it'll come to the right right or wrong decision anyway. That's great, Pico. Thanks very much for joining us, and we'll be back after the break. No problem, Aidan. Thanks very much. So after the shock of Saudi beating our Argentina, we had Denmark and Tunisia nil-nil draw, and then Mexico and Poland with the same scoreline. Although Poland left to rue a missed penalty from Robert Lewandowski. Um, on to France and Australia. Then from from last night, a game you were at for a brief window, it looked like there might be another kind of shock on the cards, but the French um, the French class just told in the end. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's uh, you look at the the profile of the Australia squad where they play. They have no player from the top five leagues. They've one fellow in Germany in the second division, Jackson Irvine. Four players in Scotland, a couple in the championship. Um, I mean, Ireland actually probably a better squad than uh, Australia. Um, and they, like you know, they started well. Two lads from the A League, you know, thirty something players in the A League combining. Um, you know, this is a long way removed from Australia when they had sort of Tim Cahill and. Harry Kewell and and you know various other sort of uh, accomplished players um, who'd operated at a, at a high level, um, and once France equalised, and I start making the point, like you think with these teams that it's uh, like it's you know amazing world class goals that like are the difference, and in reality it's like you know second phase of a set piece, a bad mistake, it's just the relentlessness of trying to play them, you know that yeah. eventually the 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 basics. Um, 
their ability to do the basics again and again um, just runs the life out of an inferior side and that's what happened. Poor old, uh, what is it, Atkinson playing for a right full with the Mbappe job. Um, yeah. Did well for 20 minutes and then all his, all his nightmares sort of unfolded in front of him. Yeah, there's a fantastic photograph. I'm not sure if you've seen it by Stephen McCarthy's sports file with Mbappe lining up and five or six Aussies in front of him. It's reminiscent of the Maradona and Belgium photograph, but Mbappe was sensational. Just it, it, there was just a, seemed to be an extra gear there where you know the, they couldn't live with him. Yeah, and like the, the whole crowd feeds off the energy of of like that sort of little burst of energy in the in the stands. I mean, the stands. I mean, I must say, like the ground wasn't remotely close to full. I mean, some of the attendance figures that are being put out there just reminds me of uh, uh, some of the post FAI Vantage Club attendances. To be off, to be honest, um, and it's like, but even still, within that, there was um, just that buzz when Mbappe got going, and uh, in a in a weird way, like as much as he was amazing, he was also a little bit sort of hot and cold in aspects of the game. Like he missed the sitter, you know, mm-hmm. he, he he tried a couple of things that didn't come off, but he, he could just get away with it because he's so. Uh, he's just so superior to uh, Australia and like there was a couple of times he tried that run and he was cut off at the cross for the fourth goal but he just makes it look so easy when he does execute it and that's the um, that's that's just the, the, the pure and simple uh, scale of the task Australia was facing was just far too big for them. Yeah I think Vincent Company was on BBC talking about the the challenge with with Giroud up front as well, where you know the easy part with Mark and Olivier Giroud is standing a long way up the pitch because he's you know as slow as a wet week, as everyone knows. But the problem with that is that leaves a lot of space for Mbappe. So you know the the fear is Mbappe, so people drop back, which means Giroud can be in around the box and you know sc- scored a couple of goals. And it's remarkable to think that he's now alongside Thierry Henry as France's top goal scorer. Yeah, thirty six as well. I mean, he's 36 years of age. Mm-hmm. Griezmann, 31. Now, I know like there's a few players missing, like Benzema, although he's obviously north of 30 as well. Um, you know, There's a few bodies that have dropped out of the squad, but it's still like, uh, I mean, these major tournaments, like, you know, okay, I know there was the last Euros as well, but in terms of World Cups, it's amazing you have these recurring characters who were just there sometimes. It's like Giroud was like a sort of a... a and Miroslav Klose in some respects, you know, a sort of a, yeah. a a French version of it in terms of you find yourself at the start of the tournament going, is, is he actually still there? Um, and yet there's a certain consistency about them. Although, isn't that whole thing that when France's number nine scores in a World Cup, they don't win it? So it's some kind of weird... Yeah, going weird back thing. to Stefan Guibarch and, 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 oh and the God. likes. Yeah, per Stefan. Yeah, um, <laughs> he still has a World Cup medal, winner's medal to show. Um, well, it's not much of a pat on the back for us, but I think we both had France to win. We both had uh, Argentina to win. So I'm not quite sure how our predictions are, are going. Um, we might look at that later in the week, but we'll go into tomorrow's games now, just, or sorry, today's games, just for uh, some predictions. So this morning, uh, we have Morocco and Croatia, a 10 o'clock game. Do you see any, well, early morning Irish time drama as there was yesterday morning? Well, I'm hoping there's no early morning drama and actually getting there because uh, I'm going to that game up in... Al Bayt Stadium, which I've now realised, uh, I spent an early part of my trip just chalking down the stadiums and uh, where I'm like, because I've made no absolute plans whatsoever as regards travel, because everyone says, well, it's the size of Wexford or it's the size of Carlo or wherever you want to equate. So you don't need to make any logistical plans to get to these stadiums. But it turns out that uh, of all the stadiums, the Al Bayt Stadium where this game is, 
is is the nightmare. Like take the most remote you know, place you can think of getting it. That that schoolboy venue in Dublin or something where you always dreaded the logistics of going there. And that's basically Al Bates. So um hopefully I make it there for the game uh, and that's there's no drama involved with that. And then subsequently, yeah. Like Croatia seems to be on the upgrade again. Like Croatia are one of those where they have the the older players and that old core that got to the final in twenty eighteen, but they've managed to sort of refresh their squad and they're they're sort of uh they're potentially they haven't regressed in the way that people thought that they might. So uh, I fancy them. Yeah, I'd be along the same lines. And speaking of an old core, we have Belgium and Canada as the final game of the day again. Alfonso Davies is the star of the show for for Canada, a young player, and doubts about his fitness, but it's difficult to see past the comfortable Belgian victory as well in, in that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, Canada have Jonathan David as well. Like it's a mad record of twenty two goals and thirty five caps, and um, plays for Lille. Um, uh, their, their captain was doing the press conference today. He was uh, 39 years of age, uh, an outfield player. Um, I'm trying to think of his name now. He plays in Turkey. And uh, I thought that was just very uplifting because um, it's someone who's roughly of a similar age to you playing in the competition. Yes, still it's, it's, it is and heartening. Which, all right. you know, there's not actually too many of them left. Um, but uh, yeah, like, I mean, the Belgians, I mean, some of them are pretty, are getting on a bit as well. I mean, they are still relying a bit on, you know, Hazard is, is still the captain. You know, Vertonghen was there today. It's about like 35, 36 now. Like they have sort of, um, uh, you know, the 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 big issue with Belgium relative to Croatia is that maybe Belgium are still a little bit too reliant on their golden generation and they haven't refreshed it as much. But in saying that, they are sort of the type of team that um, they, I feel like they will disappoint you in other ways and they won't disappoint you in terms of the early stage group match. It's more when we come to mm-hmm. the crunch later on that you sort of have a slight feeling that they're... Uh, that they're going to struggle. But I think in the context of this group, I sort of feel like they probably need to get off to a win, you know, because they, I was at the press conference today and I, I believe they had a friendly last week where they didn't play that well and Martinez was getting a lot of questions about that. So um, it seems like locally he's under a small bit of pressure. Atiba Hutchinson is that player from Canada. I was looking that up. Okay. Uh, February the 8th, 1983, he was born and still playing for, uh, still playing in Turkey, still going. Um, Bazik has he's been there for like eight years. So there you go. There's always a terrible moment when those veteran players that you describe as veterans and they're still a bit younger than you. So, um, yeah. yeah. Speaking of golden generations and that, that Spain, both Spain and Germany, recent winners of this with their own with the tournaments with their own golden generation are in action today. I think there's probably less expected of Germany um, and the game against Japan this afternoon at one o'clock could be a little bit tricky for them. Yeah, Japan are are, are pretty good. Like they have a deep enough squad. Um, um, I think we're seeing a lot of Japanese players. Probably we've seen them at Celtic, but even sort of start to you know make an impact around the Champions League and and like the influence is, is strong. Like actually, like, I think I might have mentioned this before. Like I think Japan would have fancied themselves to get out of other groups, maybe not this group. But um, I think you know the Asians have restored their pride after we, we wrote them off yesterday um, in very dramatic circumstances. If if one Asian team loses heavily, that means they almost lose. Um, and yeah. then you know Saudi have come along to like restore the pride of a continent and um, to shove it up to well, those sort of know, arrogant Europeans. Yeah. So we um, know whenever to write off the Germans anyway. So now we can yeah, not write the, off the well, Asians or the Asians. Or the Asians. Or the, so um, the Asians so uh, I think Japan uh, they're more than capable. I just like if there's going to be a shock tomorrow, I think it could be Japan 
really given Germany uh, a little bit of a scare. Um, Spain, Costa Rica, um, Costa Rica, uh, always very similar to, to Ireland um, in terms of like I think it's a, you know they're they're they've no army. They're always very neutral. I think Costa Rica, you know, and they're they've, they've they had a great World Cup eight years ago, twenty fourteen. They were incredible. Um, but they don't seem to have the same confidence with their ability this time round. So uh, you'd imagine Spain will do a Spain on them and beat them narrowly. Uh, but beat them death by a thousand cuts type of yeah type of uh, yeah. operation as usual. So I think we're in reasonable agreement in terms of our predictions for for today. Um, do you want to do scores? The other do thing, we should do. The yeah, scores. why not? We'll have a look at scores. Should we go? I might spin through my own predictions then. So I'll go Croatia two uh, one. Germany 1-0, Spain 3-1, and Belgium 4-0. 4-0, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, that, that's, I mean, you're going for a free-scoring day. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go 2-1 for Belgium. I'll go for one all in Japan and Germany. 2-0 um, for Spain. And what have we got? Um, Croatia-Morocco, sorry. Yeah, Croatia. Mm-hmm. Maybe Croatia to win that by the odd goal as well. Say two one as well. And in terms of the final prediction for for today's pod, we're just wondering in terms of the twenty four hour McDonald's nearby, what the prediction would be for the for the next meal or what's what's coming up. Well, I don't know. It took it. It took 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 some of our. It took some uh, piqued some of the interest in our uh, listeners and viewers. So some 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 colleagues even. I mean, um, I easily amused. I mean, I mean, I went to a twenty four hour McDonald's. It was open. You know, I had. I mean. That this is what happened, you know, a medium Big Mac meal with water, not you know, keep the calorie count down by by not having a soft drink. I mean, that's what you do. Uh, no, I'm learning about the vagaries of media center food now. It's a it's a different uh, it's a different story. Cascarino recommended the the media center food. It's like whatever, something like thirteen euro all you can eat job. Um, as ever, always a slight suspicion with this tournament is that uh, they would lay it on thick for the media in terms of like, you know give you all the best facilities in the stadium you know the media center that you possibly can like there's a, a virtual cinema where you can watch games if you're not at a match you can go into like a, a virtual cinema and watch you know the, the game at another, at another stadium that you're not attending uh, i haven't availed of it yet but it's all about the, the big surround experience and everything so as i said like it's it's quite lavish facilities here and um, so i don't know 24 hour mcdonald's could be replaced by the uh the, the 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 media center cuisine over a period of time, well, but uh, yeah, doing two well, games tomorrow. So, I'm trying to get to yeah. Belgium, Canada as well. So, or sorry, to Bel- yeah, to Belgium, Canada. So, two games in a day is something that I've I've tried to do a few times in the first couple of days of the tournament. But the only thing I would say is uh, the traffic around stadiums and the logistics of getting in and around stadiums um, probably show why maybe a lot of people are already talking about maybe sticking with one because it's not exactly. Um, the easiest uh, the, the, while it is a very small place a lot of the stadiums seem to be located on sort of ring ro- ring roads so you're going around okay. like versions of the M50 so um, it can it can become a slightly longer day than you might have anticipated well, with, with food recommended by Tony Cascarino it's hard to think of a, a, a higher uh, a, a higher recommendation so between that and your travel plans for tomorrow i hope everything goes well and uh, we'll catch up again tomorrow thanks for joining us